Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me on the Talent Talk Radio Show. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case this is your first time listening to the show, welcome and thank you. And want to kind of fill you in on what's happening here. The, the radio show here with Talent Talk features a wide range of guests who care about talent and usually are uniquely talented themselves. On this show, we talk about talent in those two ways. Uh, one is it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we talk about talent in relation to HR leaders and human resources and finding the best candidates today. Hopefully you see how that works. The word talent has those two different meanings in the business world, and we look to explore it as best we can. My guests include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, recruiters, and all sorts of top people uh, in, the, in the realm of talent. So when I'm out at these networking events and industry conferences, roundtables, I have the distinct privilege of meeting inspiring leaders all the time. So I created this forum to allow you to listen on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that will impact your own career or company in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today, I want to thank those of you tuning in live. Don't forget, you can submit your questions to my guest via Twitter. Just uh, tweet your questions to at PeopleG2, the hashtag Talent Talk, and my producer, Mike, will feed me the best questions, and we'll try to work them into the show. We also have the great suggestion that if you'd like to suggest a regular question uh, going forward for our guests, we, we, we'd love to take suggestions and hear what our listeners would like to hear. Don't forget, you can also tune in to the podcast on iTunes and subscribe to have the weekly show sent to you. Uh, I think as of last count last week, we were somewhere around 16,000 listeners to our show, and we really appreciate those of you who are tuning in, in the car, on the treadmill, wherever you may be at your kids' uh, soccer practice, listening in and learning something new. With that said, let's get today's show started. My guests are China Gorman, CEO of the Great Place to Work Institute, and Jay Vought. Uh, president and CEO of My Mike, a gentleman who I met at the Inc. 5000 conference. We'll get to Jay uh, here at the second half of the show, but let me get to my first guest. China, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Great to be with you. So tell us about yourself and, of course, about your company, the Great Place to Work Institute. Uh, so I'm a business leader in the human resources solutions space. I've been leading mostly HR consultancies uh, for many years. Um, Lots of people know me because I was the chief operating officer and interim CEO of SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, several years ago. Uh, And I just joined uh, the Great Place to Work Institute six months ago, uh, Sunday. So um, it's still a relatively um, new gig for me, but it's an incredible um, uh, it's a it's an incredible place to be today, um, but also at this point um, in my career. The Great Place to Work Institute is uh, 25 years old, uh, and it was founded literally to change the world by transforming workplaces. Um, if you think about what a truly great workplace is like. Um, and that's the business that we're in, is helping organizations create truly great workplaces. But if you think about what that would be like from an employee experience perspective, 
and then flash forward to a world where every organization was a great workplace. How would the world be different? How would communities be different? How would politics and nations be different if truly every worker um, had a job in a really, really great workplace and that and that's what we that's what we do we're in nearly 50 countries uh around the world uh we think of this as sort of a social movement um we're a business but um uh, but a social movement and we have over 25 years of of research on um what makes organizations uh truly great so millions and millions of employee survey responses over 25 years from thousands and thousands of companies uh, over uh, over the last 25 years. So probably the best um, the best database of, of culture, of effective workplace culture anywhere in the world. And so we are the power behind, in the United States, we're the power behind uh, the Fortune 100 Best Companies to Work For list that is published at the beginning of every year. We just published our 17th list with uh, Fortune uh, in mid-January. Uh, and we're also involved with helping companies on their journey um, towards creating a great workplace culture through consulting, through training. Um, we have a, a seminal survey, the Trust Index Survey, uh, which measures an organization's leadership. Uh, it measures, the, it is the voice of the employees about whether or not they trust their leaders. And that's the foundation of any great workplace is, is the trust between employees and their leaders. So that's me. That's our business. Uh, and it's a great time uh, to be in that business as organizations are struggling to understand how do they get the talent they need and then how do they retain it so they can continue to develop it and deploy it. And I think nobody knows more about that than the Great Place to Work Institute. So it's great to be with you, Chris. Yeah, well, you know, you, you, you talked about in the beginning there that you became CEO back in September, so it's almost been your six-month anniversary, so you can... Yep. We'll, we'll save the cake for a few more days. Um, <laughs> and, and maybe you can talk a little bit about the transition, you know, kind of going you know from Sherm over to that. It certainly was a difference. I mean, there are some similarities, but there is a difference there. And maybe a, a few of the positive things that have kind of come out of you taking on this position, you know, kind of what are you seeing so far? This is an incredible organization and more, uh, I've been involved with nonprofit work. Of course, Sherm is a nonprofit organization. Um, I've been involved um, as a volunteer leader, as, as a board member uh, in a number of national and, and regional nonprofits over the years, mostly that have to do with talent um, and with education um, and making sure that education is available to various parts of the talent pipeline. So I have a lot of experience in the nonprofit sector. And I have to say that the Great Place to Work Institute, although it's not a nonprofit organization, feels its mission um, in its lifeblood much more strongly um, every day than any nonprofit organization I've been a part of. So it's a it's it's a it's a it's an interesting and very exciting and frankly very satisfying place to be in a in a business. It is a business um, that is so focused on its social mission. Um, so it has a real it, has a real sense of purpose. You're saying it really. The yeah, culture has yeah. This, it's it's yeah. a it's a it's a blending of business and social mission in a way that I've never seen before. So that's very that's very exciting and, frankly, very satisfying. You know, sometimes when people get it right, when you get the purpose component right and the culture part right, and you add on top of that the business component, then I think you 
it's not surprising to me to hear that because there is that magnitude. I mean, when you get into a charity or nonprofit, you have a great deal of volunteerism. You have a great deal of people who are there for the right reasons and to help. Mm-hmm. But you, you you can always turn that off. You can always kind of take a step away when your your personal life or your business life requires more from you. And so there's a, maybe that not the same consistency. But when you have within an organization like that where you are, you know, it is a business. You are trying to make money. But you have an incredible purpose and culture, and whether it's something like what you're talking about or it's making a, an incredible phone or an incredible chair or a car or whatever it is, right. like some of the right. best companies in the world, that, that that's exactly what you know they have that other their competitors don't have. So it sounds like a really remarkable place to be working. Yeah, it really is with an incredible team of, of really smart, innovative, and, and uh, committed people. So now that you have, you know, that part that most people really struggle with, that that's, <laughs> that's going and moving, what do you see as your company doing as, you know, as it relates directly to, to your clients uh, that kind of sets you apart and moves you forward in, in, you know, that successful path that you're on? A couple of things that, that really set us apart. One is the, the track record of um, success that we have. It's a, it's a 25-year-old business, and we have longitudinal data that goes back that far uh, and every year we've grown our global footprint so um, so the the information we are gathering from employers and their employees continue to show us year after year after year that the foundation of a great workplace is the relationship of trust between employees and their leaders which is not to say that um, organizations of every size, whether you're, you know, the size of Google or you're the size of a, you know, a 1,200-employee physician healthcare practice or uh, uh, an Internet startup with 300 people, the, the truth is that foundation of trust between leaders and employees is the thing that makes the difference. Everything else comes from that. And, and so you ha- you frequently in a business have to make difficult decisions, and sometimes that means you know really difficult decisions, like potentially laying people off or divesting a, a part of the business, or you know opening up in another part of the opening up in another part of the world. If you're if you're the re- that relationship of trust is strong and unshaking, and employees understand that. They're not going to be thrown under the bus under any circumstances. But difficult decisions can be made, and rough patches can be sailed through instead of <laughs> being crashed on the on the rocky shores of mm-hmm. of, of hard you know um, hard business decisions. And so, in every country around the world, we're in almost fifty. Um, every size of of business, every every industry, that relationship is the thing. That makes the difference, and so it's really exciting to be able to have, to see the data through the years, through you know whether it's Europe or South America or North America or or on and on now in in uh, in Asia. Um, culture, national cultures are different. National mores are are different. Regional um, uh, economics are different. But that fundamental trust between leaders and employees, if that's strong, if that's there. You see remarkable differences in performance. You see remarkable differences in the ability to attract and retain um, highly skilled um, workers. Uh, you see a remarkable difference in um, uh, retention of workers. 
You see remarkable differences in output, in quality, in innovation. It, it all stems from that from that trust factor. And I'm guessing that even though you, you're kind of able to come in there and help companies on a regular basis, you know, with really improving their workplace, that you may have some unique challenges yourself in bringing in the right talent. Being a company that's as old as you are and, and doing things as well and when having that great purpose and, and community that you're talking about, that, that maybe, I mean, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong here, that maybe you really need a certain type of person. Maybe there's the right person. It's p- clearly identified, and maybe they're they're not as easy to find. I mean, do you, do you struggle at all to kind of find that right person for the organization a, as well, you bring them in? Yeah, well, sure. We're like everybody else. We're very picky, right? We yeah. think we're special, and, and <laughs> I think we are. Um, and so because our mission is, and the work we believe is so noble. Um, there are lots of people who have the skills we need, but who don't, who aren't a great fit for our mission and, and our culture. So we're very, very particular about who we invite. And we're at the beginning in, in the U.S. and frankly around the world. We're, we're in the beginning of a, of a growth stage. And so if you go to our website, greatplacetowork.com, uh, and go to the careers page, you'll see quite a number of of openings both in our San Francisco location in the US and in our in our uh San Francisco in our New York City location right now we're looking for strong consultants who have worked around the culture uh, piece with with organizations we will of course bring them into our models and into our data and our research and our and our processes but um, right now we are looking for a number of of senior level consultants who can work with the CEO and their direct reports and 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 devise action planning uh, and um, specific strategies to help an organization move forward based on the data from their trust index survey and the culture audit that that we uh, that we perform. We also, um, uh, because of um, a departure, uh, will be posting shortly uh, a position vice president of people and culture. So. Our senior HR position uh, is open, and I'm really looking for a really unique uh, individual to help keep our culture on track, um, strengthen it, as well as help with the um, strategic direction of all of our people practices so we don't lose that culture, we don't lose that focus on the mission, um, and continue our track record of, of organizational success as we continue to grow on a pretty strong and, and rapid track. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier in the in the conversation that uh, you were had some interim roles, and one of them was the COO of the Society of Human Resources Management, or as most uh-huh. people know them as SHRM. Uh, right. And, and for anyone who's listening that is not in the HR world that doesn't know who they are, I mean, they're kind of the the number one, the biggest uh, provider of educational and um, really human resources support as as an association, and um, kind of really, I mean. I don't know of any other major ones that do anything close to how SHRM operates as far as educating from a, at a national level and then a regional right. level. Right, um, yeah, they are. SHRM is the um, U.S. Uh, professional association to support the human resources um, profession. Yeah. And there's one in the U.K. and the, You know, every country has a national professional association that supports HR. The U.S. is the largest, I think, now. I think I saw something recently that said they had 275,000 members. While I was there, it was 265,000. So it continues to grow um, as HR becomes continues to be a critical and strategic 
uh, function within uh, organization leadership and organization, you know, day-to-day tactical work. Yeah, and, and I, we used to attend the shows on a regular basis, and that was, I mean, it was just monstrous. I mean, so yeah, many vendors, yeah. so many people. I used to yeah. think yeah. that there probably wasn't very many shows bigger than that. Now I did just the other day go to the NAM show, which is the North American market music and marketing yeah. show uh-huh. that had 10 times as many people. And there were instruments being played in every single booth. So you can imagine the noise oh, wow. level. I was, <laughs> I was wishing yeah. I was well, back in Sherman, yeah. Chicago. Yeah. That, uh, that Sherman annual conference is the largest gathering of HR people anywhere in the yeah. world every year. I mean, it's <laughs> You know, it's, it's quite, it can be for the, if you, if you've never been and you go for the first time, it's, it's a, it's a it's, bit of a, it's overwhelming. It's a little bit. Yeah. It's a, it, overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, yeah, you, you have to sort of catch your stride and plan your time. Um, we do a, we do a conference and in fact, our conference is April 3rd and 4th in New Orleans this year and it's almost sold out, which is, um, quite a wonderful development for us, um, where we bring in, the senior executives, the CEOs, the CHROs, the really senior leaders in organizations who have been deemed um, best places to work by our process, through our process, um, and uh, and or are working with us. Uh, and it's, it's two days straight of very senior leaders in organizations talking about, here's how we've done it. Um, Here's what's uh, here's what's important. Here are the lessons that we've learned. Um, here's how that journey has worked. Because for many organizations, to really become a great place to work doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> it's because a lot of it is behavioral. It's it's changing the behaviors of leaders, and that doesn't happen overnight. And so they share their stories. And CEOs and CHROs and CFOs and CIOs really talk about. You know, what it was like in our organization before, what it's like now, how did we get there, what did we learn, what mistakes did we make um, on various, you know, sort of areas, whether it's about corporate social responsibility and that place and, and its place in their culture work or talent acquisition or talent development. All of those things um, uh, play a part in our conference. So. Uh, I don't know if any of your listeners would, would want to come, but uh, we're almost sold out. And if they do, they'll have to work fast. Um, they can go to um, greatplacetowork.com, and it's, the conference is all over it. And it's easy to see how to register. I wonder if uh, you know those people that have been chosen that have had that kind of honor put upon them, if they if that kind of catapults them into you know almost having to do more. That they really have pressure to keep it up and to to really drive you know, even better culture, even better performance, even better, uh, you know, kind of engagement by their clients. Um, you know, it, it was very small, it was regional. I mean, we, we, we received an award for, for that in our county, uh, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, happy, you know, happiest places to work or something like that, your greatest places yeah, to work. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh-huh. and, and it was small. It was just regional. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of companies in Orange County. Orange County is a big place in California, oh, but, absolutely. but at the same time, I know we felt a lot of pressure, like, Okay, now that we've got this, and now that we that this has happened, it was like, what are we going to do to improve? How are we going to be better next year? Um, whereas the years before, you know, it wasn't something we ever tried to get, and we weren't as focused on it. So I wonder if you kind of by being noticed, does that draw more attention for people? Does it make them kind of want to work harder at it? Well, um, the the short answer is is yes. Um, not because there's pressure to stay on the list, but because they realize the benefit 
right. In, intrinsic pressure, not not yeah, not not. Yeah, uh, yeah. They see yeah. the they see the financial results. They see the innovation. They see the retention um, increasing. That turnover goes way down. They so almost any metric that you have to measure business performance when you are operating as a truly great workplace, those metrics go are going you know, off the charts, they're, go, they're going up. And so it's wonderful to have a great workplace. It's even better to have a great business. That's a quote from one of the CEOs from, from this year's list. Um, and, and they become sort of the same thing. Organizations and CEOs and, and see the, you know, the, the inhabitants of the C-suite understand very clearly once they really are a great workplace, the pressure to stay there is certainly about the recognition and, you know, you don't want to fall off the list and those kinds of things from an employer branding perspective. But really, but really, that's the output. What really the most important thing is our business is rocking and mm-hmm. we don't want to lose that. We want to continue this growth trajectory. We want to consider, we want to continue this, um, this price the share price trajectory. We want to continue this revenue and and profitability uh, trajectory. All of all of those are outcomes of of having a really strong and great workplace culture. So it becomes the same thing. Business success and culture success become the same thing when you understand the relationship between the two. You can have great short term uh, performance without you know having a great work place without having a, a super employee experience, but it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the companies that, that you know, the Nordstrom's, the Wegmans, um, the Intel's, the Google's, the SAS, who've been on our list for years and years and years, they love being on the list, but they love even more being successful business enterprises that continue to grow and outperform the benchmarks in their industry. Well, I'm, I'm sure, I'm hoping at least that you're going to have a, a great answer for my next question, which is one of our favorite questions to ask because our listeners and myself especially, we learned so much by getting exposed to things we didn't know about. And that is, you know, are you reading any books right now that you might share with us and, and tell us about? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be shameless here. Um, <laughs> Uh, we have a new uh, book um, from Great Place to Work. It's called No Excuses, and it's a real straight talking look at. So you're a CEO, you're a senior leader, and you really want to work on the culture, but your teams, your managers, your directors all say, "Yeah, but we could do that, but, but, but." Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a book about how to how to combat the excuses about why we can't focus on the culture or why we couldn't possibly create a culture that would actually make our employees happy to come to work every day. So it's called No Excuses. It's by uh, Michael Burchell and Jennifer Robin. Um, And then another book that I I, I read about a year ago, and I'm rereading it now, it's called The Trustworthy Leader Leader by um, Amy Lyman, one of the co-founders, actually, of the Great Place to Work Institute. It's an incredibly helpful um, book about what what are the impacts, what are the consequences uh, of not having trustworthy leaders in your organization, and what are the benefits to the business um, and to the culture for having leaders who truly are trustworthy? And how do you how do you move a management team or a leadership team to being known? Uh, you know, there are, there are not a lot of leaders out there who are patently right untrustworthy, uh, but there are lots who people don't know. You assume, but you don't really know, right? Mm-hmm. That your leaders are trustworthy, and so this is how do you how do you get known 
as a leader for being trustworthy? How do you get known in an organization for having trustworthy leadership teams? And it's a great book, and I, um, I'm just starting to, to reread it again because the message is on the money, and it's probably one of those ones now that I'll read every year. Well, that's uh, two great uh, suggestions that you had there for, for books, and we really appreciate it. And just a reminder to everyone listening, we do kind of we're posting uh, recaps of the shows. Uh, we're a little behind. We haven't quite caught up, but uh, we do have recaps there about the best things that were talked about, the best advice, and we also list the books there where you can click and go right to Amazon and, and buy it and, uh, you know, check out the books if you'd like. So uh, the final question I have before we uh, go today is, uh, you know, how can people reach out to you or find out more about your company if they're interested in, in having their workplace uh, be even better? Sure. So our website is greatplacetowork.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at China Gorman, C-H-I-N-A-G-O-R-M-A-N. Uh, and my email is china.gorman at greatplacetowork.com. And would be happy to chat with anybody. Fantastic. Well, China, uh, thank you so much for being on uh, the show today. It was a real pleasure having you and hearing your experiences and uh, kind of what you're doing to help companies uh, have a fantastic place to work. My pleasure, Chris. It was great to be with you. All right. We look forward to having you come back and give us an update. Uh, until then, I uh, hope you're, everything is well and you're successful in everything you're doing. Thank you so much. Jay Bot is coming up next after this quick commercial break. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. And let's give a shout-out to our sponsor today of Talent Talk Radio Show, which is brought to you by People G2, a company founded in 2001 that's dedicated to helping clients with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving them access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and much more. People G2 was recently named one of the best places to work right here in Orange County, as well as one of the fastest-growing privately held companies by both the Orange County Business Journal and the Inc. 5000 list. So if you want to learn more about all the good things and the fast growth happening here at People G2, simply go to their website, www.peopleg2.com. That's peopleg2.com. 
Yeah. All right, let's go back to uh, Chris and his interview with China Gorman. No, we just had China Gorman. Oh, I'm sorry. Call. We're doing our next guest. I'm sorry. <laughs> with Jay. I'm, I'm right. spaced out here today. I was so into that last conversation, I wanted to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to the Talent Talk radio show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast of this show and listen to past shows by visiting octalkradio.net and clicking on the Shows tab and, of course, clicking on Talent Talk. In the short time uh, we've existed, we've amassed a huge following, and we really appreciate all of those of you tuning in, uh, wherever you may be today. So thank you. My next guest is Jay Bot, President and CEO of MyMike. Don't forget you can tweet your questions live right now for Jay by sending them to at PeopleG2, hashtag Talent Talk. Jay, I don't know uh, if it was the last time we spoke was in uh, Washington, D.C., or if we, maybe one more time, but it's been a, few, been a little while. So welcome to the show, and I'm really glad to hear from you again. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on the show. I appreciate it very much. So for uh, for those uh, of those that are listening and don't know who you are and uh, haven't met you, have the privilege to meet you like I did, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and, of course, uh, your company and what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, I'm the president and CEO of Mimic LLC, um, and we're based in uh, historic Portsmouth, Virginia. Um, and we've been around for 14 years uh, Initially doing a lot of work for our Department of Defense. Uh, we're a small company, um, about 100 employees, and our focus has been in the area of modeling and simulation. And uh, over the years, we've provided a lot of solutions to the warfighter who's out there right in the middle of a battle, uh, providing them um, training solutions through simulations. So they're able to do what-if scenarios in game-based uh, environments. And so it's a very, very exciting, uh, you know, field that we're in. It's, it's actually, um, growing very rapidly within the Department of Defense due to, you know, cutbacks in, 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 um, spending. Typically the instructor led training and other methods of training tend to be more expensive. And so there has been a, a move towards, uh, simulations, computer based simulations. Uh, and so we're a company that's very much in the, in the niche in that area. But uh, in recent years, you know, we've taken um, our capabilities uh, to the next level and commercialized them in the uh, in, in, in literally in, in the commercial world. Um, so we provide similar solutions as we do for the warfighter uh, to the average worker in industry. Uh, and we have many products that we've built um, that are game-based training solutions uh, for safety training, uh, for uh, skills training, for motivational training, and such like. Uh, and it's very exciting. That's a new line of our business, uh, and we've seen a tremendous growth uh, and tremendous success uh, for, for several reasons. Um, but, um, you know, cost being the, the main one, um, in, in the U.S., uh, training is a $160 billion industry. The average company spends almost $1,200 per employee on training, uh, those are pretty big numbers. And to get a good return on investment on training is, is what companies are always looking for. And our systems offer that because, you know, um, studies have shown that uh, training in, in a virtual environment, training where you're practicing over and over again, uh, tends to give you a higher level of retention. Uh, than other methods of training. So we're very excited. Uh, you know, we work with the warfighter, uh, and now we work with the, the worker to keep them away from harm's way and, and safe at the workplace so they can return back to their families every day. 
So, you know, my next question was going to be uh, kind of asking what you're doing to keep uh, Mimic on, on top of the market, but it sounds like what you're doing is breaking into these new industries and finding new ways to take what you're already doing and, and bring it to an entirely new market, which, which sounds uh, really exciting and fascinating. Um, is there anything else that you're, you're doing on top of that to really uh, ensure that you're, you're continuing to grow and, and to develop? Yes, I mean it's 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 very exciting. Uh, there, there's a, a confluence of certain factors that are, that are going on in the world that, that actually um, make what we're doing uh, very very timely. Uh, one 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 a- aspect of what's going on in the Western world is uh, the retirement of baby boomers. So the folks who were born in 1947 and thereafter started retiring in 2011, and so what that means is that. Um, the Western economies will face over the next few decades a loss of brain power and knowledge. And uh, the, the workers that will replace those baby boomers will be ones that have grown up in what I call an increasingly technologically advancing environment, you know, all the way from the days of the you know computer, the basic computer, to the today, the days, days of um, mobile devices and, and technology, which is just basically quite incredible. So we um, we are seeing that there is a massive need uh, for knowledge transfer, kind of similar to training, but it's 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 beyond that. Um, to learn how to do something in a virtual environment is great because you can practice and retain that. But to actually have knowledge transferred at the same time is a is a new concept that we are deploying. That way, we can take through our medium of game based training. The ability to have the knowledge stored within the game so that the, 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 the learner, the trainee, can both practice as well as call on demand knowledge that they may need during the training session, thereby giving a holistic training experience and maximizing the learning that can happen. So, um, the technology is, is a, is quite an amazing thing and, uh, we're so excited that we're able to use the technology to help companies and help people uh, through this way. And and we think that, um, you know, we're going to continue to grow very rapidly. Uh, we're finding that our customers, um, our Fortune 500 companies, um, they they understand that this is the way of the future, and, and we're, we're getting a lot of demand coming in. And I, I think it's the right thing to do. I think that, you know, cost tends to drive everything in the world. And we were able to show that instructor-led training, video-based training, e-learning, and all the other methods of training are actually uh, are getting out of date now, and they're not able to do, do the job fully. And so um, companies like Mimic, which actually there are very few of them right now, uh, we'll see more of them in our space, are, are really uh, truly leaders in this field at this time. And, and I'm sure one of the things as you're uh, moving to grow here and you're, making some shifts into, into bringing that, what sounds like a really exciting uh, way to, to have people learn, uh, that you're going to be needing uh, more and more talented people in your organization. So what are you doing to make sure that you're securing the, the right and the top talent uh, when it's you know time to move ahead? Absolutely. That's a very good question. Um, without our men and women uh, who work in um, engineering and sales and marketing and management and all the other disciplines, uh, we would certainly not be anywhere as successful as we have been. Um, what we what we're trying to do, and we've been very successful with this, is that you know we we are a very creative company, uh, and we allow uh, our people uh, to be creative and to have their own ideas. Uh, 
my policy as CEO is to have an open door. Uh, you don't you don't have to be somebody in an executive position to be able to come to see me. I mean, I can have a, an engineer or an intern or somebody that you know works um, at the lower echelon of the company come in and share an idea with me. Um, and, you know, many ideas like that have actually been put into action. And it becomes a very interesting place to work uh, as a result of that. You know, we, we have a very team-based approach. Everybody participates. Um, and, um, you know, we work very, very hard, but then we also get well rewarded at the end of that work because, um, you know, other than the financial rewards, which all of us want, it's really the reward of creating something that doesn't exist right now. And um, there's just that, you know, it, I mean, that makes people come to work every day. That makes my engineers, for instance, my software designers, um, you know, work through the night to get projects finished. And uh, we're being very fortunate. The technology itself is so exciting. And what it can do, um, you know, for people in the world is so exciting that, you know, we've been, we've been fortunate to, to, to get the best talent out there. And, and the other thing is that there really isn't anybody else that we have so far spotted that is doing what we're doing, the way in which we're doing it in the commercial world. So I think that, um, you know, many of our uh, employees, you know, like that. They like the cutting edge, the novelty. Um, they like to move into into a job that's, that's exciting and interesting on a daily basis. Um, so we've been fortunate that way, and we'll continue to do that. We, we still have a long way to go, as you can imagine, with the rate of growth that we're experiencing. We're hiring all the time. You know, are you? Uh, is that kind of how you keep people? Is by having this team environment and this, you know, like you said, open door policy to allow ideas to come from anyone and anywhere. Is that kind of part of a culture you think that really kind of puts some glue on and keeping everyone working hard and working together and, and sticking around so you're not losing, you know, top people? Absolutely. I mean, from a from a compensation standpoint, we have to be uh, competitive. No question about that. We are very competitive, and, and we offer very good programs. However, I think that when it comes to this kind of technology, it's it's really the ability to put yourself into the job and be creative and and see, you know, see that you you've actually made an impact that attracts uh, most of our people, uh, and you know. There's an advantage of being a small company, and you know you 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 can allow that to happen, and and we do allow that to happen. And there's a there's an environment, you know, that I, I foster in the company to encourage that. Uh, and yes, we do have financial reward systems, uh, but you notice that I'm really not focusing on those too much, because what we've found uh, is that there those people that are focused on financial rewards will will find you know will find better a better deal. No mm-hmm. question about it. I mean, we we live in southeastern Virginia, and this is a you know this this market has had the lowest rate of unemployment through the crisis you know, throughout throughout the crisis. So it's it's hard to keep and retain people. So our approach really has been more to allow the involvement, the inclusiveness, um, and and the ability to, for creativity, not just on the on the technical side, but also in terms of our marketing systems, how we design our websites, how we talk with our customers, you know, how we how we design our booths for 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 marketing purposes. You know, we we have a very open type of system, which which I think um, you know uh, many people prefer, and they like the fact that they're able to participate in in those aspects. They probably wouldn't get that chance, you know, in other companies. 
Yeah, I noticed in looking at your uh, your background, your profile, that you've had some experience with different C level positions at a couple of different companies, and just wonder kind of you know how your past positions have maybe influenced the way you are you know as a leader at uh, Mimic today. You know, maybe are you it, was this incarnation different, or did you feel like this was kind of a, a stepping stone where you you know each job was learning something new and becoming a better person, or maybe you can kind of describe you know, where you started and where you are today from on, on a leadership uh, scale there? Yeah, it's a very good question. I, You know, I've been in the C-suite for uh, over 30 years now. Um, uh, many um, chief financial officer positions, I must admit, um, with a bend towards uh, mergers and acquisitions, but I've done a lot of operations work as COO as well. I think that, you know, each of those positions have, have really shaped me. And I think what I've learned is that, you know, you have got to be decisive. You know, you've got to be able to trust yourself uh, and um, take the right kind of risks. Um, and, and, you know, I always say that, you know, the number of good decisions I've made so far are, are, are somewhat more than the number of bad decisions I've made so far. And, and, and you have to do that because there's no such thing as perfection. Um, in, in trying to bring a new product like the one that we have at Mimic to market, it takes a tremendous amount of research. It takes a tremendous amount of work. But there is no, there's no answer there that you can follow. So you're going to have to get to a point where you've got to make a decision and take a risk. And, and that's what I've learned. I've learned to take, make decisions. I've learned to take calculated risks and live with those and correct them if they're wrong. And I think that that's really helped us move forward. Um, you know, at the, at the pace at which we're moving forward. I know that there are a lot of other would-be competitors that are not making those decisions and are not moving into this field. And I think as a result, we are, uh, you know, we're in the market um, and our products are in the market much faster uh, than they will get them. So, yes, absolutely. I think that uh, calculated risk, being decisive and, and learning to um, to accept uh, yourself and Learning to trust in your in your judgment is 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 absolutely critical for a entrepreneurial company like Mimic. Was there was there someone that uh, maybe Im- influenced you or really had an impression on you, whether young in life or early in your career that you know you kind of attribute some of these things to? Yeah, I think I would I would, I would probably give most of the credit to my father because when I was growing up uh, in Africa, which is where I was born, uh, you know, I was I was probably a, a young child that. Uh, had zero confidence, I would say, in sports and in studies and all that. Um, as I made it my way through high school and college and my career, uh, my, my father was a very, uh, very supportive person, and I learned from him. Uh, he had similar traits to the ones that I have now. That, that you know, you can you can do well and you can be successful. My father himself, you know, started from fairly uh, uh, meager means. I mean, he uh, he moved during colonial times from India. Uh, to Africa um, at, at a time when you know there weren't any schools there, and he actually built a curriculum, a financial curriculum out there, um, which now so many people um, you know benefit from after all these decades after he he passed away, and, and, and so that's a monument to me for what can be accomplished by somebody that started with very uh, you know meager means. So. You know, that's a that's a great role model to follow. And indeed, you know, throughout the years, as I was um, um, being successful, I, I remember his words, and those were that you know you're a self-made man, and uh, that's essentially what you know you have to be 
to be entrepreneurial and to, to invent things and to, and to bring things into the world that don't exist at the time. You know, usually our guests that come on the show are sort of impacted by someone. They're impacted by their decisions, like you talked about. Uh, hopefully a few more of them were good than bad. And uh, also impacted by uh, their experiences and the leaders in their, in their thing. But they also are impacted by kind of their own education, you know, their own self uh, ability to go in and, and, and find new information and find inspiration and find great uh, sort of muses and in, in uh, what's happening in the business world. And I'm, one of our favorite things to ask our, our guests is, you know, what are you reading? And I'm hoping it, you might have a great answer for that. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I've been reading a lot of things, but right now I'm reading a book called The Gamification of Learning and Instruction. It's a book by Carl Kapp, uh, mm-hmm. who I met at the American Society of Training and Development. Now, it, it's just a wonderful piece of work that's very practical, um, and uh, it's the kind of thing that has a lot of information that's of use for our customers. So it's, it's a book that's really helped me um, significantly. I realize it's very much in line with what we're doing right now, but there is, uh, there is so much cognitive behavior theory that goes into what we're doing um, and there's years and years of research. Um, you know, it's hard really to bring it down to the level of the layperson. And this book does a good job of it. And that's, that's the reason why I'm reading. Well, and uh, just to remind all of our listeners that you can, uh, we'll have a recap of today's show. We have other recaps of past shows. And we always list all the best tidbits of what they uh, told us and their wisdom. And, of course, we mark down what their the books were and you can we'll have a link there you can go and, and look at the book that he's talking about you don't have to try to remember it if you're uh, driving in the car right now or on the treadmill we'll have it there on the website at uh, peopleg2.com when go to the blog section maybe you can uh explore for us a little bit because it sounds like your culture is a uh, very interesting about your creative process you know how do you brainstorm effectively with your team or you know get them to really be creative uh, when you're stuck with a problem the best way to do, deal with that is to allow people to um, to, to speak. And, um, you know, um, being a military government contractor, oftentimes, you know, uh, just because of the regimen that goes in there, it's, t- it's tough to get people to, to be drawn out. So, um, you know, we, we create an environment where, um, you know, the layout of our offices, for instance, uh, the, the break times, the, the working hours are all designed so that, you know, people are able to collaborate with each other. Um, they can, they can meet at any time they want. Uh, there's a little bit of, um, you know, non-work activity that, uh, you know, they can participate in during the day. You know, we, you know, being a gaming company, um, you know, we have, you know, all of the different, uh, game platforms for people to actually play fun games while they're doing this. Um, we're constantly um, uh, encouraging our people to try new technologies. So the heads-up display, uh, the Oculus Lift glasses, uh, the Google glasses, you know, we're, we're, all, we're testing all those things out all the time. So, you know, it's, it's not just um, serious uh, game production, but it's also, um, you know, testing things out, which then eventually leads to that. And, and what, what that does is that, you know, they're, you know, our people have their own interests, and we, we, we like to encourage them to follow those interests. And um, not, not all the time, but, you know, oftentimes, you know, the, the product of that, you know, in company time, let's put it that way, is something that can become a very tangible idea. 
So, for instance, you know, with the immersive glasses, you know, which we really haven't at this point, you know, come out with a, a product per se to sell, but we have um, several in beta uh, that we're testing. Well, that was an idea that came out, um, you know, about a year ago from one of our very young interns. And I said, well, why don't you just go test it? You know, we'll, we'll buy the equipment and, uh, you know, you, you, you come back and give us, give us those ideas. Now, he worked with a, a group of his, his, other people within the company to get it done. And that wasn't really a project that was funded, you know, by a customer or anybody else. So there is an example where, you know, um, you know, we, we now have a platform which, which needs more investments, but it's probably something that we'll be rolling out in the next uh, two to five years mm-hmm. you know, once the technology matures. Well, that sounds like uh, really exciting if you can, can find something that would go into that product. Uh, I think that yes. you know, if you can get into the right time, you'd really be uh, have a huge amount of growth. I mean, we might be reading about you in the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And this technology is, technology is um, becoming cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, um, and that's that's a big driving force behind why we're, you know, pushing so hard to, to build as many products as we can to sell to our customers. Well, my final question for you, Jay, is how can people find out more about your company and reach out if they're interested in uh, learning more? Absolutely. We have a wealth of information in our new website. Um, it's mimic.net, spelled M-Y-M-I-C dot N-E-T. Um, and uh, please please come there. We have all of the other contact information. Uh, we also have demos. Uh, we also have the ability for you to check out our other products and, and the neat other technologies that we're working on. Well, Jay, th- thank you again for being our guest today, and uh, hopefully we'll can have you back at some point. You can give us an update on how all those uh, really interesting uh, things that you're developing are, are turning out and how your company's uh, continuing to grow. We'd love to do that. Thank you very much indeed for this opportunity. It was wonderful to have you. Uh, that's about all the time we have today. Thank you again to my special guests, China Gorman and Jay Vaught. Tune in next week at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, our Talent Talk brought to you by People G2. Uh, next week, our, uh, yeah, we'll have uh, Curtis Hughes, uh, who I also met at Inc., just like I met uh, Jay, managing partner at C5 Institute, and Devin Hornick, uh, managing partner at Core One Technologies. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping clients with their people-related decisions.